All right, well, we're there in Genesis chapter number 15, and I'm going to tell you right now, tonight I'm going to focus on mainly one verse in this chapter, and we're going to go quickly through the first uh, five verses, and we're going to focus on verse number six. Next week, I want to encourage you, uh, because next week we're going to finish the rest of this chapter, and this is an odd chapter. If you look at verse nine, it talks about, and he said unto him, take me and heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pig. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst. Uh, later on in the chapter, in verse number 17, it says, And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp. We're going to look at all of that next week, and I think uh, it'll make sense to you. Uh, maybe you've read that before and you thought, what is all that about? We're going to talk about that, but I can't add that to this sermon. We'll deal with that next week. Uh, today we're going to deal with the first part of the chapter. And just quickly, uh, I feel like it's been a little while since we've been in Genesis 15. Uh, look at verse 1. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Remember the last time we were talking about uh, Abraham and the patriarchs, uh, Abraham had fought a battle against the king of Sodom. In fact, if you just look at verse 21 of chapter 14, you'll remember that the Bible says, And the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abraham said unto the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abraham rich. So in chapter 14, Abraham basically refuses to take the reward and the money from the king of Sodom. In chapter 15, in verse 1, the Bible says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Basically, God appears to him and says, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Because Abraham just got done denying the reward of the king of Sodom. And then God says, hey, you don't have to be rich by Satan's wages. I'll be your great reward. Now, if you look at verse 2, the Bible says this. And Abraham said, Lord God, because the Lord just told Abraham, you know, I'm going to be your reward. And the Bible says in verse 2 uh, that Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Because no, remember, Abraham already had money. Abraham was already rich. And he said, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? What Abraham wanted was a child. He wanted an heir. Notice he said, And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in mine house is mine heir. Basically, Abraham saying, I don't have a child to be my heir and a servant. Because remember last week, or the, when we were looking at Genesis 14 before, we saw that Abraham had those servants that were born in his house that were trained and they were armed in order to go fight the battle. He said, One of those servants is mine heir, but I don't, he said, I don't want money. I don't want riches, I want a son, I want an heir. And by the way, God had already promised him that in Genesis chapter number 12. Look at verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said... Now, we're going to deal with this verse at the end of the sermon, but I want you to notice what it says. He says, Look now toward heaven and tell. You see that word tell there? That, that the word tell means to numbers, where we say we get the, the, the term teller. You go to the bank and you have the teller. What does a teller do? He counts your money for you and makes sure that the counting's correct. He says, look now toward heaven and tell. He says, look, look up at, at the heaven and, and count the stars. Tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said, so shall thy seed be. Now, he basically reiterates for him what we've been talking about, the Abrahamic covenant that God was going to give 
Abraham a seed. And then I want you to notice verse number 6. And if you don't mind writing in your Bible or underlining your Bible, I would underline verse number 6 of Genesis 15. This is a very important verse in Scripture. The Bible says, And he believed in the Lord. After he heard what God had said about the fact that he was going to give him a seed, that he had reiterated the Abrahamic covenant, the Bible says, and he, talking about Abraham, believed in the Lord and he counted it, talking about his belief, his faith, counted it to him for righteousness. Now here's what's interesting. This verse is quoted in the New Testament three times. One time, it's in Romans chapter number 4. In fact, I'd like you to put your finger there in Genesis 15 and go with me to Romans chapter number 4. And uh, let's look at it just quickly together. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter number 4. And look at verse number 5. Romans chapter number 4 and verse number 5. Notice what the Bible says. Romans chapter 4. And I'm sorry, I said verse, verse 5, I, I meant to say verse 3. Romans chapter 4 and verse 3. Notice what the Bible says, For what saith the Scripture? Talking about what does the Bible say? It's about to quote Genesis 15, 6. Notice what it says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now I want you to do this, all right? You got your, bing, your finger in Genesis 15. Keep another finger there in Romans uh, chapter number 4. And now go with me to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter number 3. So you got Romans, you're going to go past 1st and 2nd Corinthians into the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter number 3, and look at verse number 6. Galatians chapter number 3, and verse number 6. Notice what the Bible says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now there's one more time that Genesis 15, 6 is quoted in the uh, New Testament, and that is in James Chapter number 2 and verse 23. We're not going to look at that tonight. Tonight, we're going we're gonna to go to three places. You've got your finger in all of them. We're going to go from Genesis to Romans to Galatians. All the verses I'm going to show you are going to be in, three, in those three books. So if you've got those books handy, we're going we're gonna to have Bible study tonight, all right? We're going to compare spiritual things with spiritual. Now, I want you to understand, uh, I'm leaving out James chapter 2 and verse 23 because we're going to cover that next week. The passage in James quotes... Uh, uh, Genesis 15, but that has to do with the sacrifice, with those animals being cut in pieces and, and, and having the, the furnace and the smoke walking through it. So we're going to deal with that next week. But I want you to understand that this is a very important verse, and it's quoted throughout the New Testament because there's all sorts of things that we can learn from this passage and why it's quoted in uh, Genesis 15, okay? So make your way back to Romans chapter 4, and let's go ahead and begin. I want to give you three thoughts, three lessons, three things we can learn from this very important passage in Genesis 15, in the sen- 15 verse 6, in the sense of why it's, it's uh, uh, quoted multiple times in the New Testament. The first one is this, and I know you know this, but the first thing we can learn from this passage is that salvation is by faith and without works. I know you know that. I know that I don't have to preach that. Uh, you don't have to turn here, but Philippians 3.1 says this, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. And I know you know that salvation is by faith. I know you know that salvation is not of works. And, but it's safe for us to review these things from time to time. It's safe 
for us to look at it in Scripture from different angles because sometimes people think, oh, well, you teach that salvation is by grace through faith, but you teach it from these, one, these few verses. It's sometimes good for us to see it from all sorts of verses just to make sure you understand that. And not only that, but, you know, a lot of people listen to our preaching online. We have thousands of people that listen. You know, I get emails every day, people saying they listen, they, they watch it, uh, the sermons, and they're, they're uh, learning and things like that. It's good for those people learning. These protesters are listening to all the sermons. You know, maybe they'll hear this and they'll get saved, you know, and then uh, they can get baptized and go join some other church because we don't want them here. But uh, (laughs) Romans chapter four, look at verse number one, and I want you to notice what the Bible says. Okay, the first thing we can learn is that salvation is by faith without works. Notice Romans four one. What shall we say that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? All right? Abraham, I've said this to you many times when we look at Romans 4, Abraham's the one that got this whole thing started. He's the patriarch. He kicked off this movement that you and I today call Christianity. And, and, and before that, he kicked off the, the, the Jewish, you know, uh, the nation of Israel. And, and he's the one that, that all of that descended from. We're going to talk about that. But he says, what shall we say, this is Paul speaking, what shall we say that Abraham, our father, as pertained to the flesh, has found? He says, for if... Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory. Now that word glory, I want you to make note of that word, all right? The word glory means to boast or to brag. Now notice what Paul's saying. He says, if Abraham were justified by works, he's not saying Abraham was justified by works, but he's saying if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory. He would have something to boast about. He would have something to brag about. Now, you're there in Romans 4. Just flip back to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, just real quickly. I know you know the verse, but let's look at it together. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see the word glory there? No one can boast or brag before God because we're all sinners. No one's going to be able to get to heaven and say, God, let me explain to you how great of a person I am. Let me tell you how, 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 how righteous I am. Let me boast and brag. You know, I, I used to go to church on Sunday night. I used to go to church on Wednesday night. I used to go to church on Sunday morning. I even went so and I, I read my Bible. I, you know, they gave us a memory verse and I would read it. They gave us a nine chapters a day challenge and I would do it. You, no one is going to be able to stand before God and say, look how great, look how wonderful I am. Because the only reason that you would be able to do that is if you were justified by the things you do, by works. But none of us are justified by works because we're all sinners. Now notice, go back to Romans 4, 2. If, for if Abraham were justified by works, he hath to wear up to glory. But then, of course, Paul answers the question, but not before God. Because no one can glory before God. We all come short of the glory of God. Notice verse 3. For what saith the Scripture? He says, okay, what does the Bible say? Because it wasn't that he was justified by works, because then you'd have something to glory about. Nobody can glory. So then he says, well, what does the Bible say? Here's what the Bible says, and here's our quote, Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Right? He said, that's how Abraham got saved. He believed God, and that faith was counted unto him to righteousness. Now look at verse 4. Now to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Okay, now look, here's what he's saying. If you're trying to work your way to heaven, you're in debt. You're indebted because the word grace means free. He says, if you're trying to work your way to heaven, if you're trying to keep the law in order to be saved, he says the reward is not reckoned of grace. It's not 
free. You're not getting it for free if you're working for it. And he says, and here's the problem, you'll be in debt. You'll never pay it off. Now, do you see that word debt? Why don't you notice that word? You ought to underline that in your Bible or uh, circle it or something. Keep your place there in Romans. Go to Galatians. Did you keep your place in Galatians? Remember, we're going to go to Romans, Galatians, Genesis. Romans, Galatians, Genesis. So if you can get to those quickly, then we can, uh, we, we can look at a lot of Scripture. Galatians, but I want you to go to Galatians chapter 5 and look at verse number 1. All right? You see, remember the word debt. Romans 4, 4. Now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace. You're not getting it by grace, but of debt. Remember that word debt. Galatians 5. Look at verse 1. Notice what Paul was telling the church in Galatia. He says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Hey, do you believe that God made us free when we got saved? You know, the Bible says that ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So he says, hey, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And then he says this, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He said, don't, tr- don't go back into bondage. Don't get back entangled in that yoke. What's a yoke? Something that it's placed upon you, a burden put upon you. He says, don't go back to that. Look at verse 2. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that, now notice what he says, if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Now you say, well, why is Paul telling them that if they're circumcised, Christ is going to profit them nothing? Here's why. The church at Galatia was teaching that someone had to be circumcised in order to be saved. They were teaching that you must be physically circumcised in order to go to heaven. You must keep that law. And here's what Paul said. He said, hey, stand in the liberty where Christ has made us free. He said, don't go back to that bondage of trying to keep the law. He says, behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised or if you believe that you have to get circumcised to be saved... Christ shall profit you nothing. And by the way, that's just the example that Paul's giving there. Today, we have many religions that will add many works to salvation, but you can add whatever work you want to that verse. He could have said, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be baptized, Christ shall profit you nothing. He could have said, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you repent of your sins, Christ shall profit you nothing. He could have said, Hey, behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you speak in tongues, Christ shall profit you Look, any time that someone says, Yes, salvation is by grace, through faith, not of works, but you have to quit smoking. You have to quit drinking. You have to repent of your sins. You have to quit fornicating. And look, I agree with all of that. I hope you're not smoking, drinking, fornicating, all right? I hope you're not doing those things. But as soon as someone says you have to do something in order to be saved, Christ will profit you nothing. You cannot, because people say like, no, no, it is salvation through Jesus Christ. But I also have to do, no, no, it doesn't work that way. It's either Christ, it's all of Christ, or it's none of Christ. He says, if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Notice verse 3, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised. He said, look, anyone who thinks they're going to get to heaven because they're circumcised. And here's what I want to say. Anyone who thinks they're going to get to heaven because they've been baptized. Anyone who thinks they're going to get to heaven because they went to the confessional booth. Anyone who thinks they're going to get to heaven because they did catechism. Anyone who thinks they're going to get to heaven because of anything they've ever done. Notice what he says. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is, uh, you see this word, debtor? Because remember, Romans 4 said, not to him that worketh is the Lord not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Now notice, notice verse 3 of Galatians 5. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he's a debtor to do the whole law. That's what we were looking at this morning, James, 2, uh, James chapter 2. 
That if you keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, you're guilty of all. Why? Because if you believe you have to keep any part of the law to be saved, then you have to keep all of the law. You can't just pick and choose the sins you don't struggle with and say, well, you know, I don't struggle with drinking, so as long as you don't drink, you're going to go to... No, no, You've got to keep... You either keep the whole law to go to heaven, or you can't keep any of the law. Do you understand what he's saying? Now, notice what he says. Look at verse 3. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Because if you think you have to keep the whole law to go to heaven, you're always going to be in debt. Because you sin every day. Some of you are sinning right now. Your thoughts you're having about me, you know? You're like, when's this going to be over? And, and, and he says, look, you're a debtor to do the whole law. Look at verse 4. Christ is become of no effect unto you. As soon as you add works... As soon as you add keeping the law to salvation, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are, notice, justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. You ever heard that term before? Oh, so-and-so is fallen from grace. That term, fallen from grace, is talking about people who believe they are justified by the law. He says, if you think you're justified by the law, you're a debtor to do the whole law, and you're fallen from grace. Why? Because to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Okay, this is the context that Paul is giving us the verse about uh, uh, Abraham believing on the Lord, believing on God, and it being accounted unto him for righteousness. Go back to Romans 4. Make sure you can get back to Galatians. We're going to come back here in a minute. But go to Romans 4, look at verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but to him that worketh not, but believe it. Now, today you'll have people, I'll preach sermons like this, and people will, will say, they'll say, well, no, I, I don't think you have to work your way to heaven, but I just believe that if you really get saved, there will be works. Who's ever heard that before? People say, I just think if you get saved, there will be works, and if there are no works, here's what they'll say, if there are no works, I'm not saying you got to work to get to heaven, but if there not, are no works, then that means that you weren't really saved. Well, here's the problem with that, Romans 4, 5, but to him that worketh not, doesn't say to him that worketh a little bit. Doesn't say to him that worketh some. But to him that worketh not. But here's what they did do. But believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. So, according to Romans 5, is it possible to believe and work not? Yes. So can someone believe and have their faith counted unto him for righteousness and they never do anything for God? They never come to church. They never get baptized. They never do anything. Well, according to Romans 4 or 5, that's it. So if somebody says to you, oh, no, no, I don't believe that works is required for salvation. I just think if someone really gets saved, there will be works to follow. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that because the Bible says, but to him that worketh not, but believe it. And not only that, but the Bible teaches us about the, the coming judgment seat of Christ that some people are going to have all their works burnt up because they did nothing for God. And yet they shall be saved as of by fire, is what the Bible says. So we learn here that Abraham had faith without works. That's what we can learn uh, from this passage. But I want you to go back to Galatians chapter 3. Because notice, in Galatians 3 is where he quoted the verse, right? Let's look at it together. Galatians chapter 3. Uh, we'll look at verse number 8 right now for sake of time. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen. You see the word heathen? Whenever you see the word heathen in our King James Bible, it's a reference to Gentiles, all right? He's saying, and the, that's important because we're going to talk about that here in a minute. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. God always knew the Gentiles were going to be justified through faith 
preached before the gospel unto Abraham. You say, when was the gospel preached to Abraham? Saying, in thee shall all the nations be blessed. That's the Abrahamic covenant. When God told Abraham, I'm going to give you a seed, and from that seed, all the nations will be blessed because that seed is Jesus Christ. Remember we saw in 2 Samuel on Wednesday night that God promised David that, his, that through his seed would come the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, here's the thing. The Abraham is, is a, David is a descendant of Abraham, and Jesus is a descendant of David. They're all in that same line. Now, notice what he says. He, verse 8. He preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. Skip down to verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law. Notice. Well, I, I just think you have to keep the law to be saved. I mean, and, and, and you may think like, well, who believes that? Come out soul winning with us. I mean, we knock on people's door. We have nice, decent Catholic people who say to us, well, I just think that you have to keep the commandments to go to heaven. Well, I just, I just think that you, have, you can't just do whatever you want. Yeah, it's faith in Jesus. There's so many religions that teach that. Yes, it's faith in Jesus, but you also have to keep the law. You also have to live a good life. You can't just do whatever you want. Now, notice what the Bible says. Look at verse uh, 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a, the curse. You're under a curse when you're trying to keep the works of the law. You say, well, what do you mean by that? For it is written, cursed is every man that continueth not. And notice, notice the, the same theme the entire time, in all things. He said, what's the curse of the law? Here's the curse of the law, that if you're going to keep the law, you have to keep all of it. Here's the curse of the law. Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You think you got to get circumcised? Here's what Paul's saying. You think you have to be circumcised to be saved? He said, you don't have to just be circumcised to be saved. You have to keep every law in Leviticus. You have to keep every law in Deuteronomy. You have to keep every law in Exodus. You got to keep all of them. Not just the ten. I keep all of them. I mean, all the laws in the Bible. He said, and that's the curse of the law. The curse of the law is that you have to continue in all things. Look at verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. He said, look, it's evident that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, for the just shall live by faith. Look at verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. What's the curse of the law? That... Everyone that continues not in all things is the curse of the law. That you have to keep the entire law is the curse of the law. And he says, God, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed of everyone that hangeth on the tree. He took the curse of the law upon him. Because guess what Jesus did? He kept the entire law. He didn't break any of it. He kept all of it. And he took that curse from us. Now go back to Romans 3, and let me finish this point up because you, you know this, and, and it's just review, and we're just trying to preach the gospel to the protesters at this time. Romans chapter 3, look at verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Romans 3, 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So is that clear? The first thing we can learn from this famous passage, and I know you say, well, Pastor, we already know this. I know, but look, I can't just skip that. I mean, that's important. And that's one of the great things that we can learn from this passage is that salvation is by faith and without works. But let me give you a second thing we can learn from this, all right? Are, are you back in Romans? Go to Romans chapter 4, look at verse 19. The first thing we learned is that salvation is by faith and without works. The second thing we can learn from this famous verse in Scripture is that salvation has always been by faith without works in both the Old and New Testament. You're like, well, that sounds like the first point. Okay, well, let's just look at it together, and we'll move on to the third point, okay? Romans 4, look at verse 19. 
And being not weak in faith. Do you see that? Romans 4.19. And being not weak in faith. Talking about Abraham. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Notice verse 21. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Abraham was fully persuaded. Everything God promised, he was able to perform. And we're going to talk about it next week. We know that's true because in Genesis 22, God tells Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham understands that Isaac is his only seed. And Hebrews 11 tells us that Abraham went up on that mount fully believing that if he took Isaac's life, that God would resurrect him. Why did he believe that? Because, verse 21, Romans 4, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. God, Abraham believed that God was able to do what he had promised. Verse 22, and therefore it, what's the it there? That's his faith, was imputed to him for righteousness. Again, a reference back to Genesis 15. Now, now notice, here's what I want you to notice, verse 23. Now it was not written for his sake alone. This was not written simply to explain to us how Abraham was saved. Notice what it says. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. Notice verse 24. But for us also. It was written not just for his sake. Why did God give us this verse? It was written not just for him alone, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. I want you to understand what's going on here. He says, this is how Abraham got saved. God preached the gospel to Abraham. When he gave him the Abrahamic covenant, he preached the gospel. Abraham believed the Lord and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. But he said, God says, the reason I gave that to you was not just so you would know how Abraham was saved, but it was also for us also that we might know how we might be saved. You say, why are you making a big deal about this? Because today you got dispensational theology. Who's ever heard the term dispensations? You've never heard you know, me teach that, but you've heard people say that. And today you've got extreme wings of dispensation theology that will teach that people were saved different in the Old Testament than how they are in the New Testament. They'll, they'll say, and there are some people that even say like during the tribulation, people will be saved differently than we are today. And they'll say, we live in the age of grace, or we live in the dispensation of grace. They'll say, we as New Testament believers, we're saved by grace in Jesus Christ. But in the Old Testament, they were saved by keeping the law. They were saved by sacrificing animals. But listen, the Bible says, look at it again, Romans 4.23. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Here's what he's saying. The way Abraham was saved all the way back in Genesis 15, Genesis chapter 12, the book of Genesis, he said that's the same way you and I get saved today in the New Testament. There's no difference. There's no dispensation of grace. There, and, and, and in fact, go, go, to Roman, uh, go to Genesis chapter 6. Remember, we're going to Romans, Genesis, Galatians. Just go to Genesis 6 real quick. Because here's what they'll say. We're in a dispensation of grace. And, the, and, so, and, and, the, and you may have been taught this and maybe not really realize it. But like the liberals will say like this. In the Old Testament, God was angry. In the Old Testament, you know, God was all about the law and, you know, he was going to strike you dead. But in the New Testament, it's all about grace. It's all about love. 
You know, we have grace available. Now, here's the problem with that teaching. That sounds nice, but the problem with that teaching is the Bible. Are you there in Genesis 6? Now, look, in Genesis 6, in Genesis 6, we're going to talk about Noah. Now, remember, that was the angry God. The angry God that literally killed the entire world, right? He flooded it. And then he gave them a rainbow. You know, somebody should go tell those protesters what that rainbow flag's really about. They're like, they're like, rainbow flag, you know, love, don't hate. It's like, you, you know why God gave you that rainbow, right? Because he got done killing a bunch of people, all right? Because he got done judging a bunch of people. Because he got done hating a bunch of people. I mean, these people are crazy. But, look, but, but notice Genesis 6, 8. But Noah found what? Grace in the eyes of the Lord. We're in the age of grace. So was Noah. Look, anyone that's ever been saved was saved by grace. Grace has always been available. Salvation has always been by faith. It's not that they were saved by works back when God was angry. Now, you know, Jesus showed up, and he's this pot-smoking hippie with long hair, and he's all about grace and love. And, you know, when we get into tribulation, the angry God comes back with all the vials and all the different, you know, angry trumpets, and then they're back to works. No, no, no. Abraham was saved by faith without works, and everyone that's ever saved is saved by faith without works. So here's what we can learn. Salvation is by faith and without works. Number two, salvation has always been by faith without works in both the Old and the New Testament. Let me give you another example. Go back to Romans 4. Look at verse 6. Remember the two main characters in the genealogy of Christ are who? Abraham and David, right? Here's what's interesting. Romans 4 talks about Abraham and then talks about our good friend David. Romans 4, look at verse 6. Romans 4, look at verse 6. Even as David also. Because we just got done seeing how Abraham was saved. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him to righteousness. Verse 6. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without work. How was David saved? He was saved because righteousness was imputed unto him. Was it by works? No, it was without works. How was Abraham saved? Because he believed God and it was imputed unto him to righteousness with works? No, without works. How are you and I saved? Because we believe God and it's imputed unto us for righteousness with works? Nope, without works. Everybody's saved the same way. Look at verse 7. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. How was David saved? By faith without works. How was Abraham saved? By faith without works. How are you and I saved? By faith without works. How was Noah saved? He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's how anyone is saved. That's how everyone is saved. So here's what we learn. Number one, salvation is by faith and without works. Number two, salvation has always been by faith and without works, both in the Old and in the New Testament. Let me give you the third statement. We're, I'm only giving you three. We're almost done. We're doing good. Uh, go back to Romans. Romans 4. Here's the third statement. The blessings of Abraham. Because we've been talking about salvation so far, right? The same way Abraham got saved, the same way you and I get saved. Always been by grace. Without, without works, always been by faith without works. But notice what the Bible, this verse also teaches us this. The blessings of Abraham, like salvation, are for both Jews and Gentiles. The blessings of Abraham, like salvation, are for both Jews and Gentiles. You say, what do you mean by that? Look at Romans 4, look at verse 1. Now, the book of Romans is written to, take a guess, the church at Rome, Right? Now, in Rome, they were Gentile believers. They're not Jews. And notice what Paul says in Romans 4.1. He says, what shall we say that Abraham 
Notice what he, what he says to Gentile believers. Our father? Okay, well, no, Abraham's the father of the Jews. Well, he just got done telling the Roman believers that he was their father too. Amen. He says, what shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, as found? Now, go down to verse number 9. Notice, notice what he says. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only? What's the circumcision? Those are the Jews, right? Jews get circumcised. Cometh this blessedness upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? Now you say, well, what is the blessedness referring to? Go back to Genesis chapter 12. Look at verse 2. Remember, we're only going to Romans, Galatians, and, and Genesis. So you should, have it, uh, you should have it together. My tie is all messed up. I don't know why. I feel like you guys are all looking at my tie. <laughs> Genesis, I'm just a little self-conscious. Genesis 12, look at verse 2. Genesis 12, look at verse 2. You guys are like, your tie is the least of your problems. Genesis 12, look at verse 2. Notice what the Bible says. And I will make of thee a great nation. This is the great Abrahamic covenant, right? And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will, don't miss this, bless thee. You see that? Part of the Abrahamic covenant was that Abraham was blessed. Okay? He says, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a what? Blessing. Do you see that? Go to Genesis 22. We're going to look at Genesis 22 in depth next week. But let's just look at it real quickly. Genesis 22, look at verse 17. Here's where the Abrahamic covenant is given again. Genesis 22, verse 17. Notice what the Bible says. Genesis 22, 17. That in, don't miss it, blessing I will bless thee. Do you see that? He says that in blessings I will bless thee, and in multiplyings I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gates in his enemies. Here's what I want you to understand. When the Abrahamic covenant was given, a blessing was given with that covenant. He says, I will bless thee. He says that in blessing I will bless thee. Go back to Romans 4. That's what we're talking about in Romans 4, 9. Notice what it says. Cometh this blessedness? Upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Look at verse 10. How was it then reckoned? The word reckoned means how was it established? He said, how was it then established? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Now, he answers a question for us. He says, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. Because here's the thing. In Genesis 17, and I, you don't have to turn there, the Bible tells us that Abraham was 90 years old, 99 years old when he was circumcised. Okay? The, the events of Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 happened well before that. Abraham received the covenant and received the blessing not when he was circumcised, but when he was uncircumcised. Look at verse 10 again, Romans 4.10. How was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. Verse 11. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised. Do you understand what he just got done saying? He said he was circumcised to show the faith that he had gotten when he was yet uncircumcised. It's like baptism for us today. He got baptized to show the faith that he had before he was baptized. That's what he's trying to teach us. Notice verse 11 again. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe. Don't miss that. He's the father of all them that believe. 
Notice, though they be not circumcised. He says he's the father of all them that believe, though they're not Jews. That's what he's saying. Because when he uses the word circumcised, circumcision, that's synonymous with being a Jew. And he says that he might be the father of them all. Uh, good night, I lost my place. Uh, all, all them that believe, uh, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Unto who also? Unto the uncircumcised. Unto the Gentiles. Go to Galatians chapter 3. Now you're like, well, Pastor Jimenez, I've been taught my whole life that the Abrahamic covenant was just for the Jews. And that the blessing associated with that covenant was just for the Jews. And that's why I voted for George Bush. Because he wore that pin with the Jewish flag, you know, and he wore the tie with the Jewish flag. And we always say, you know, as Americans, we got to bless the Jews because if we bless the Jews, then, then God will bless us. And if we curse the Jews, then God will curse us. Here's the problem with that, the Bible. Here's the problem with that. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says that the blessedness was not just for the circumcision, but for the uncircumcision also. Are you there in Galatians 3? Look at verse 6. Notice what the Bible says. Galatians, this is like a continuation of stupid things Christians believe. Galatians chapter 3, look at verse 6. Even as. Now, here's what the term even as means. In the same way. All right? Even as. In the same way that Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. That's Galatians 15, 6. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith. Now look, are you, are you and I in faith right now? Amen. Let me ask you this. Are the unbelieving Jews in faith right now? Do they believe on Jesus Christ? Do they reject Christ as the Messiah? They're not in faith. Now notice what it says. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. No, no, no. The Jews in Israel, those are the children of, uh, of, Israel, here, uh, of Abraham. Here's the problem with that. They're not in faith. They're not believing. They don't believe. They rejected Christ. They believe in a Messiah, but they don't believe Christ is that Messiah. And the Bible says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Look at verse 8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen. That's us. You and I, we're the heathen. Through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. Look at verse 9. So then they which be of faith. Could it be said of the unbelieving Jews that they be of faith? Nope. Could it be said of New Testament believers that they be of faith? Yep. Now, so then they which be of faith, notice, don't miss this, are blessed with faithful Abraham. Who's blessed with faithful Abraham? Those that be of faith. I thought it was just for the circumcision. Nope, for the uncircumcision also. In fact, it's only for whoever is believing in what Abraham believed when the Abrahamic covenant was given to him. What was, well, the Bible told us that he believed the gospel. The gospel was preached to Abraham at that moment. Notice verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Now look, John Hagee and all these guys, I mean, we, we, we could just read that verse and be done. I mean, how clear is that? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. It's only for the Jews. The, and here's what dispensational theology teaches. The Jews and the New Testament church are two different things. And they'll teach you, you're in heresy when you combine the two. And they'll look at people like me or look at like people like Pastor Anderson or Pastor Romero or Pastor Burzins or Pastor Perry. And they'll say, you guys are in so much false 
doctrine and teaching because you don't understand the difference between the Old Testament Jew and the New Testament believer. No, you don't understand that there is no difference. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. If Abraham was alive today, guess what? He'd be one of us. He'd be a New Testament believer. He wouldn't be in Israel right now, you know, praying to some wall. You know, just going like this in front of some wall. Praying to some, some God that doesn't exist. He'd be preaching Jesus Christ. He'd be out soul winning. He would be here tonight. If he was in Sacramento, he'd be at Verity Baptist Church. He, I mean, he'd probably be preaching, but he'd be at Verity Baptist Church. Look, notice what it says. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through faith, through Jesus Christ. How clear is that? That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant. Yet, if it be confirmed, no man does annulleth or add it thereto. Now, to Abraham and his seed. That's what the covenant's about. Where the promise is made. He says, not to and to seeds, as of many. Talking multiple. But as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. See, it's always been about Christ. The covenant was about Christ. The promise was about Christ. That's why the gospel was preached when the covenant was given to Abraham. The the, the gospel was preached because it was about Jesus Christ. And he says, look, if you, the blessing of Abraham might come on all the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Look, if you want to bless somebody, bless me. I'm blessed with faithful Abraham. You're blessed with faithful Abraham. Unbelieving Jews who reject the Bible, who reject Christ, who reject salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, they're not blessed with faithful Abraham. And I know 99.9% of Christians disagree with us, but it doesn't matter how many people, you know, it it brought us away that leads to destruction. That's all I got to say about that. Well, Well, most people disagree. I don't care if most people disagree with us. What does the Bible say? What does the Word of God teach us? Teach. Look at verse 16, Galatians 3, 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith he not and to seeds as of any, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Look at verse 28, uh, just because we're running out of time. Look at verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Verse 29, and if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. I mean, how clear is that? Who's Abraham's seed, if you be in Christ? Again, are the unbelieving rabbi, synagogue of Satan, we don't believe in Christ, we just believe the Torah, we don't follow any of it, but we believe it, you know, we don't sacrifice any animals, you know, and and, uh, Miss Kelly sent me a good article about the fact that they are going to start sacrificing, and and let me tell you something, that's even worse, that means the Antichrist is on its way. Because the Antichrist is the one that's going to rebuild that temple and start, start. I don't understand. I get these things in the mail, and they're like, donate to this, you know, organization so we can rebuild the temple. I'm thinking to myself, why do Christians want to help the Antichrist rebuild the temple? It's been done away with. The Levitical priesthood, I'm not going to preach this last Sunday's sermon. Anyway, look at verse 29, Galatians 3:29. And if ye be Christ... Then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You know, what, what can we learn from this famous verse? Why is this verse so famous? Why is it quoted so much throughout Scripture? Here's why. Because it teaches a very important doctrine that salvation is by faith and without works. And it also teaches us a very important doctrine that salvation has always been by faith and without works, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
And it also teaches us that the blessings of Abraham, like salvation, are for both Jews and Gentiles. Because they'll say, oh, no, no, the Abrahamic covenant's only for the Jews. It's only for the circumcised. Here's the problem with that. Abraham wasn't circumcised when he got the covenant. And it's always been for both circumcised and uncircumcised. Anyone who's in Christ. Now go back to Genesis. We're going to finish up right here. And I want to show you something that you may or may have not noticed about the Abrahamic covenant. I know some of you are really smart, so you've probably seen this before, but just, just look at it. In Genesis 13, look at verse 15. In the Abrahamic covenant itself, there is a hint to the fact that Gentiles are going to be given the opportunity to be part of this covenant. They're going to be given the opportunity to be part of the seed of Abraham. Are you there in Genesis 13? Now, here's what's interesting, and we're going to talk about this next week. The Abrahamic covenant is given multiple times in, in phases, and there's a reason for that. We're going to look at that next week. But look at Genesis 13 and verse 15. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. If you don't mind underlining in your Bible, I'd like you to underline that phrase, as the dust of the earth, okay? He said, I'm going to give you a seed, and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Now, here's what's interesting. He says, your seed is going to be like the dust, in other places as the sand of the earth, okay? Now, go to Genesis 15, look at verse 5. Notice another time he gives the Abrahamic covenant. He gives a similar illustration, but different. Notice what he says. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven. Okay, now he's not saying look at the earth. He's saying look now toward heaven and tell, number the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall I seed be. So one time he gives the Abrahamic covenant, he says, look at the dust of the earth. If you, can, if you can number the dust of the earth, that's how much your seed will be. But then another time he gives the Abrahamic covenant, he says, look at the stars in heaven. If you can number the stars in heaven, that's what your seed will be like. Go to Genesis 22, look at verse 17. Genesis 22, verse 17. Notice what he says in Genesis 22, 17. That in blessings I will bless thee, and in multiplying, I will multiply thee, and thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand, which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Say, so what, what is that? What is that referring? Why is there this illustration about the stars of heaven? Here's, here's what I believe. I believe God was hinting at the fact that Abraham did have a physical seed. I mean, the nation of Israel was physically his descendants. And he said, look, you will have an earthly descendant. You will have on this earth descendants that physically come from you of this earth as the sand of the sea or as the dust of the earth. But then he says, look at the stars because you're going to have a heavenly descendantship also. He said, look at the stars because there's a spiritual seed that you will also have. That's you and I. You, we're, we're the seed of Abraham because we're blessed with faithful Abraham. And even all the way in the Old Testament, God was telling Abraham, you will have physical seed and you will have spiritual seed. You will have an earthly seed and you will have a heavenly seed. And he even talks about it there in Genesis 22. He says, hey, thy seed, he said, I'm going to multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. Because look, Abraham had two seeds. There was a physical earthly seed. Isaac gave birth to Jacob, who had the 12 tribes. We get that. But there's a spiritual seed. 
And here's the thing, the earthly seed has to get saved just like everyone else. They don't get a free pass because they're Jews. Because that's how Christians act today. They're like, the Muslims are heathens, the Hindus are heathens, you know, oh, all these people are heathens. But the Jews, oh, no, they get a free pass. They're God-chosen people. No, if you reject Jesus Christ, you die and go to hell. Because salvation is by grace through faith. It's always been by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And the blessedness is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ as well. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father.